Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. And for those of you who uh, brought your Bibles, why don't we flip open to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. We've been going through the book of Hebrews together as a church, and uh, we are now finding ourselves landing in Hebrews 11 for quite some time. Uh, It's, um, man, we've been on it so far for three weeks, and so we're, we're going to be on it for about three more weeks, just kind of looking at people who have given us amazing examples of what it means to have faith. Um, and so we've been looking at their lives and their stories, and it just so happens that we're going to fall on the verses of uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen through 22. And so uh, let's read that together, verses 17 through 22. And it says, For by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the heads of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. It's interesting, last week we left off with the idea that... um, Man, though none of the people previously to these guys really saw the promise of what God was trying to accomplish, they still believed that God was going to do it even in death. And and I find it interesting that after talking and looking at this scripture, I think it goes back to the theme of death a little bit. And so today's sermon title is called Faith That Looks Beyond Death. Faith that sees past what's actually going on and, and moving forward. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into that this morning. But first, would you pray with me? God, your word is living and active. And it moves and it gives us hope. It gives us strength to shelter for us. It is It is truth and it is light for our souls. And so, God, as we dive into your word today, Lord, would, uh, would you speak to us and would we be willing to allow you into the corners of our hearts? Because it is all about you. God, thanks for being here. Thanks for meeting with us. Thanks for desiring to have a relationship with us and making it perfect through your son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. 
So I got my driver's license when I was 15 years old and um, my parents made a pact with me when I was little that uh, they would help me purchase my very first vehicle, but I had to pay half. And so because I'm an amazing person with money, I saved up a whopping $100. And so my parents said, okay, we'll match that. And so I got 200 bucks and I was like, great, what kind of car am I going to get for 200 bucks? And so um, I actually found a car for 200 bucks. Uh, it's called, ready? Some of you guys might remember this vehicle, but it was the Buick. It was a Buick, y'all. I bought a Buick. Okay, that's like one step down below a Cadillac in my book. A Buick Omega. It was made in 1981 when I was born. So it was 15 years old. It was fantastic. Uh, I actually got it out of the back, like backyard of the guy I bought it from. Weeds were all around it. And so, you know, one of them things you had to like mow to get to it. And so um, started right up. It was fantastic. Had nothing on the inside. It was, it was horrible. So uh, I drove that thing around for a while and um, I'm just, I'm in church one day. And as I'm listening to the service, um, a guy stands up and asks for a prayer. And uh, he just said, hey, I, I lost my vehicle and I can't drive back and forth. Well, I don't have a vehicle to drive back and forth to work. And so um, at that moment, I thought to myself, I got a car and it's only 200 bucks. Like, what am I out if I give it to him? So I told my dad, I said, I'm, I'm just going to pray about it. I should give this car up. And so I, I just prayed about it and I could not get rid of this feeling that guess what? You need to get you need to give this car to this family. Now guys, it was a $200 Buick Omega, right? Like it's not like I was sacrificing something huge. But I was because I had just gotten my driver's license. I, I don't know if it was huge, but we ended up giving it to this family. And so uh, they drove around and six months later, I found out that as he was driving down the road, the carburetor caught on fire, right? And just the whole car just melted and burned. And I just thought I was, I, I instantaneously was like, look at what you did. You just gave away something that didn't even work, right? That, I mean, what are you doing? And I, just, I had a really hard time going, I just gave something real, like a piece of junk away. It really wasn't that big of a sacrifice. And so I told my dad, and I was just really frustrated, and I was really having a hard time with that. And so my dad goes, it's not for us to question what's going to happen. It's for us to actually be obedient to what God is calling us to do. If, God, if you truly believe that God was asking you to give up this vehicle, then that's what you were supposed to do and everything's all right. And so later on, my dad was talking to the father of this house and, uh, and, uh, and he said, you know, he goes, it may seem really weird that, uh, that this vehicle burned up and we didn't have anything, but he said, you, you don't understand for six months I was able to save up enough money for us to buy a newer vehicle. It's just that I wanted to get more money to be able to buy a nicer vehicle. And so it's okay. We're fine. And I, I look at it and I go, it's not for us to question 
what, we're, what is going on. It's for us to be obedient to that. And I think that as we look at this scripture, I think that's the number one thing I think about is the obedience to this. Because the very first verse in chapter 11 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Things hoped for. I was hoping when I gave this vehicle, man, that man, it, it would bless them. The conviction of things not seen. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Do we trust that God has got everything under control? Because as we sometimes look at, and as we're going to look at these stories, I think we're going to look at things that seem unfair to us when we look at this life. And we're going to also look at things that just go, I don't understand. If God said this was going to happen, why did it happen so slowly or only this way? And I think faith is not that they're going to happen the way that we want them to, but it's the things that are hoped for and the conviction that we know that they're going to happen even though they're unseen. And so we get to this week, go back to the life of Abraham a little bit. Now remember, we left off with them understanding and knowing that God would give them a son and that from this son would be great nations, would come a great nation and that they would have more offspring than the than the grains of sand. And so then, all of a sudden, you see that after they have this child, 17 years later, so we, we talked about this. Abraham is probably around 117 years old at this time. And God comes to him and he says, hey, I, I want you to sacrifice your son. Y'all, I, I just sacrificed a car. That's all I did, right? Like, and it was only $200. This is a son, and here's what it says in verse 17. We're going to read this again. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in fact, it was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise even... Sorry, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So if you're taking notes with me this morning, there's some things that we need to pull out of Abraham's life. And the first thing that I want to tell you is this, is that if, you're, if you read in the scripture, uh, this is... Uh, about, starts in about chapter 15 and goes through the rest of the book of Genesis. But in this part, uh, you'll see that Abraham, God comes to him and says, I, I want you to sacrifice your son. And the way that this is written in the Bible actually suggests that Abraham did not even question it. It was instantaneously, he woke up the next morning, early the next morning, saddled the donkey and got all the stuff together and said, yep, I'm going to go do it. It wasn't a, are you sure, God? It wasn't a, hey, how are we going to do this? How is this going to happen? What's going to go on? No, he was, God, you're going to show me and we're going to do this. It was a right now thing. It wasn't I should pray about this for a little bit because I think that this is what's happening is this sacrifice comes out of obedience. We are obedient to who God is, and it doesn't matter anything else. And so our faith pushes our reasoning. And, and I, I love 
the pieces of scripture that the author of Hebrews is setting up for us already in terms of this. Because if we see that Abraham right away is obedient, the sacrifice becomes easy because we know who God is. And so let's look at 11.6 together. 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm sorry. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Right away, if you're taking notes with me, here we go. Pull it up there for me, Brad, if you would. We have faith that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Abraham already knew it. He, he knows that the God who's asking him isn't some weird thing in his head. It isn't some, thing, some system that somebody has set up that said, if you do this, then this will happen. No, he has a relationship with a God that is absolutely real. He's already seen the existence of God and he knows that he can trust in that. And he also knows that God rewards those who believe in him. Now, I said this already to you guys a, week, a couple weeks ago and I'm going to say it again. This is not an if-then absolute. It is not if I do this, then God will do this. That's not what it is. It's not if I, if I give $100, God will give me 1000 It's not if I pray for this, then God will give me this. That is, that is not what we're doing here. God is not a cosmic slot machine. He's not somebody who we sit there and is an equation that we can say we will get what we need if you, if you give us this. No, what it is is that we want to follow the purposes of God. And we know a reward is coming. We just don't know what that is. I'll tell you at the end, by the way. But the most important thing for Abraham right in this moment is that he obeys what God has been asking him to do because he follows a God who exists. And he knows that what he does won't come. What, he knows that what he's about to do isn't going to come back empty. It's not going to not continue the purpose of God. God's purpose will continue on. In 11.3, we see this as well. Let's, let's read 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that, it is, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That's incredible to me. Abraham realizes this, that even if... Even if his son is dead, God still is able to create and still is able to move. And you have to realize this. This is something you need to know about God. And this is a little bit of a theology lesson, so that isn't in my sermon, but is this. Is that do you realize that God created out of nothing? That what you see wasn't around. We're not playing Minecraft here, right? We're not just picking up a block and moving it here and going, oh, look at this amazing brick building that I just made. God created out of absolutely nothing. If you, if you don't understand how amazing that is, you just try to create out of nothing. Go ahead, 
make your own matter so you can make your own bricks. This is, this is unbelievable because this is a foundation that he realizes he's as moving forward of going in to sacrificing his son. He's saying God's got it all under control anyway. This is his earth. This is all of his stuff. Everything that I see is because of him. And so I want to be obedient to that. And so continuing on, our faith pushes our reasoning. And then I love this verse, which we read last week, eleven twelve. Therefore, from one man, and remember I told you I really loved this verse. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, Abraham was a hundred years old at this time, right? When he had Isaac. And so whoever the author is, is pretty much saying this man is old and he's about to die. He is on his deathbed. And him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And I'm going to stretch this a little bit. And I'm going to say this, that I believe that Abraham knew that even in death he could resurrect. Go ahead and pull that next one up there, Brad, for me. That God has the power to bring life out of death. Abraham is not scared of sacrificing because he knows that God has the power to do just that. And so, which brings me to the thought of Abraham's faith. And, and I wonder if, in your life, the purpose of God is more important than, and I have no blank for you to fill in, you need to fill in that blank for yourself. Abraham realizes that the purpose of God is more important than his son. Which I find incredibly interesting is that God would also say this, that the purpose that I have is more important than Jesus. So I'm going to let him die on the cross. The purpose of God is more important than anything that's in my bank account, that's all of my possessions. The purpose of God is more important than what I think about other people or what other th people think of me. The purpose of God is more important than me. The purpose of God is really more important than anything that's going on in this world right now. My safety which just makes me, I'm sitting in the office what, uh, kind of writing this sermon out and I, and I started to cry because I just thought to myself, do I, do I really understand faith? <laughs> I asked the question, do I have faith? Because that hit me right square between the eyes. Who God is and what he's doing is far more important than anything I'm trying to accomplish. Which makes me want to dive into God a whole lot more. God, what are you doing? What are you asking me to do around you? God, what are you, what are you doing in my life? Can I see your overall purpose? Can I see your son for who he is and move forward? I found myself this week asking that question a lot. 
God, what are you doing? What is going on here? Because sometimes when I ask that question is that I've, I, I lack the faith to see that he's moving me through a process. I want to have a faith that says, what are you doing so I can be a part of it right now? What are you asking me to do? I want to be obedient in all areas. But I also know that I'm a sinful person. And I look at the next three guys in this continuum of faith. And I think to myself, God shows me uh, an amazing type of faith as we go through this. And so let's look at verse 20 together, 1120, and it says this. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings of Jacob and Esau. If you want to hear a messed up story between brothers, I know Cain and Abel was pretty crazy, you know, but at least like they, one killed each other so he didn't have to live with the other one. This one, they lived for the rest of their lives together. And this is an incredible story because I started thinking about this idea of obedience and what's God's purpose and God's purpose in this story is, I, I don't know, because if you read this story, you see something that's incredibly unfair. A brother goes off to go hunting, and he comes back completely hungry, and his, his other brother, okay, Jacob, is sitting around a fire making a stew. And so his Esau comes and sits down at his campfire, and Esau's like, man, I'm really hungry, I'm really hungry. Would you just give me some food? Most of us in this room would be like, yep, yeah, here, you can have some of mine. I got extra. But instead, Jacob's response is, hey, I'll give you some food if you give me your birthright. I'll give you some food if you give me <laughs> all the blessings that you're going to get here when dad dies. And Esau gladly gives it up because he doesn't understand the purpose that God has. We do that all the time. We give up the, we, we allow ourselves the momentary pleasure and miss the purpose of God all the time. But if that story wasn't, uh, that part wasn't good enough, then when it comes to the blessing, right, there's the birthright and then there's the blessing and, and those are sometimes even just as important. The blessing, because whoever gets the blessing does have God's presence with them in this story. And so Jacob fools his dad, right, with his mom's help and kind of, it's a really cool story, but anyway, gets, gets this blessing that's supposed to be the firstborn's blessing. And Esau comes in and he realizes that he messed up a long time ago with the soup and feels very left out because he didn't get the blessing. And yet he still gets a blessing from his dad. And it says in this scripture that Jacob, because he has, sorry, Isaac, because he has the faith, still blesses both of them. 
But something that I want you to think about is in, in terms of this, that this seems incredibly unfair. I've had lots of people actually go, I just, it seems like God doesn't care anymore. It doesn't seem like God's working. Or why would God do something like this? Here's the deal. This is what I got out of this, is that God's purpose moves forward in spite of our sin. God's purpose moves forward in spite of our sin. The whole entire thing is this, is that God was still setting up a nation to be able to be a blessing to the world. If it would have stopped because of something that happened that was unfair, I think that we would see that the nation never would have happened. That there would not have been a blessing for the world. Because that's what Israel was supposed to be, a blessing for the world. And if God had to stop because of all of our sin, I don't think anything would get accomplished. I'm not here to debate whether God should have stepped in and said, hey, let's make everything fair and everything right. I think the purpose is, is that God still works in spite of our sin. And I, can't, I don't claim to know exactly what God is doing all the time. And sometimes I'm getting to the point where in the very beginning, I'm, I have to realize that I'm so thankful that he is God and I am not. That's the hard part, is realizing what, God, what God's purpose is and going, can I be willing to live within this? Because then the next story we find is Jacob's faith. In verse 21, by faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. It's a really interesting um, verse, but this is what happens is that all the sons were around Jacob and Jacob was leaning on his staff. And as he's leaning on his staff, uh, he's going to bless give his blessing. And as he does that, he switches his hands and puts his blessing on the youngest child, not the oldest child, because he felt like God was asking him to do this. And so there you have an unfair story, right? You have an unfair time where somebody gets the blessing and then you have a different blessing, which somebody, which the person gets a blessing because, because God was saying, wait a second, let's, let's, let's do this. And so I want you to realize that God's purpose moves forward contrary to human convention. God's purpose moves forward contrary to human convention. We think that it should be one way, don't we? A lot of the time, God, you should have done this. Why didn't you do it this way? You're not a good God. And God's going, well, wait a second. Do you trust me? So if God works within our sin, God has to work contrary to how we think it should be. And we need to trust that. And it hurts, right? Because the oldest son should have gotten a lot of stuff, a lot of blessings. He could have been, hey, this is going to, the, the grains of sand, <laughs> Israel is going to become a great nation because of me. And I don't know, the story never really tells us, the, the Bible never really tells us how that relationship goes after that blessing. 
I don't, I don't know if they continue to just go, oh, Joseph is so much better than the rest of us, or they continue to try to, I know that they repaired, the brothers repaired their relationship with Joseph, but this, that was before the blessing. But could it just be that God's purpose still moves forward contrary to how we think that it's supposed to be? And the very last thing in this, in verse 22, it says, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of Israel and gave direction concerning his bones. We're going to have to do some creative um, writing in here because... Um, when I read what I was going to have you guys write, I was going to say that God's purpose moves when we get comfortable. <laughs> but that's not an if-then statement. God's purpose still moves even when we get comfortable. And so you can put an arrow in there and write still and even or below or whatever you want or write a whole new sentence. But Joseph, I think, understands something. Joseph understands that, wait a second, the, the current situation we're in is not going to be how it is. You guys may be comfortable and we may be in a land of plenty right now and we're in Egypt soaking it all up and we are a part of a great nation. Egypt was a great place. And they got comfortable and they wanted to do just that. They wanted to sit there. And Joseph said, no, this is not where it's supposed to be. And I think that Joseph's faith continued to look forward beyond the comfort. I think he started to become worried that we were too comfortable. Hey, wait a second. This is too easy. Hey, maybe we should be searching for something. I think Joseph knew that this wasn't the end. That even in the midst of <laughs> our sin and our human conventions, that wait a second, God is still moving and it, it, it hasn't stopped. Just because I'm in a comfortable spot, I need to continue looking for God. I need to continue to move. I think sometimes we get at a certain spot with God and we say we're good, we're okay. And then we lose a little bit of passion and then we lose this spark that says, hey, wait a second, this, where it's at isn't okay, let's keep moving. And, and I love this quote by Miguel and I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name. So here it is right here. Those who believe that they believe in God but without passion in their hearts without anguish in mind, without uncertainty, without doubt, without, without an element of despair, even in the consolation, believe only in the idea of God, not God himself. I think we get there a lot. I think we believe in the idea of God. But we don't have any passion for what his purpose is. We don't really desire 
to be thinking about what's going on. And sometimes in death, we do get to be able to see, well, wait a second, this isn't right. What's going on right now isn't the way life should, is supposed to be. And you're exactly correct. It's not created that way. God, God created it that we would always be reliant on him, that he would always be taking care of us. He put us in a Garden of Eden where all we had to do was enjoy him every single day, walk with him every single day, know that he was the creator of all things and sustainer of all things. And we blew it because we thought that we could tell God what he should be doing. And a faith that looks beyond death is this is that we see that the purpose of God was to continually bring, be bringing us back to him. The whole purpose of setting up Israel was for them to actually try to show that they couldn't get to God by themselves through some law or from being such a great nation. They could not work their way back to God. That as soon as sin entered in, we were separated from him. And the whole purpose is to bring Jesus about. Everything that these men and women will talk about next week and, and, and the nation of Israel was to continually be pointing to Jesus over and over again. That we would realize that death isn't actually the place where it stops. That Jesus had to come because in that, we could have life. And all of the people that we've talked about before this realize that. That death doesn't stop God's purpose. It actually, I think, shows God's purpose. There's a... I didn't have you put this up, Brad, but in Romans chapter 8, Brian and I were reminded of it, of it this week because, man, we, we go through things every single week going, what is going on? And if you actually looked at life, just this life in the grand scheme of eternity, we, we will get to eternity someday and go, that was nothing. That was nothing. And yet I want to fight and show and tell God that, man, maybe, <laughs> maybe you did this wrong sometimes. And this verse is found in Romans 8.18. It says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing, check this out, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You could say it this way. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the purpose of God that is going to be revealed to us. I want God to continue to work his purpose in spite of my sin. I want God to move forward contrary to how I think that he should be doing things. And I don't want to get comfortable because if I believe in a God who exists and rewards those who, who seek him, not just give him lip service or maybe believe in the idea, but actually seek him, 
And I believe that he created all of this out of nothing so that we could have a relationship with him and that he brings life out of death. I want to be able to have a relationship with that God and it's because of Jesus Christ and all the suffering that I have is nothing compared to that. And I'm going to ask the uh, Ryan and Brittany to come up and they're going to close us in a song, but... I want you to be able to, maybe you have already, but I want you to be able to fill in this blank um, in the middle of your page. The purpose of God is more important than. I want you to spend some time with God. Maybe there are some of you in this room that actually, I hate adding words. Maybe there's some of you in this room that man, have never put your trust in God. You've been putting everything above the purpose of God. There are some of you in this room that have been trying to tell God what to do for a really long time. And it just isn't working. There are some of you in this room that um, just continue to keep sinning over and over again and you maybe don't realize the goodness of God to be able to take care of that sin in your life. I want my faith to be able to see that God's purpose is far greater than anything I can imagine. His grace is far greater than anything I can imagine. But he does ask that we would seek him. He does ask that we would be people who start the process of walking with him. It's not complete yet. It only happens when we get to heaven, but we can get back to the spot in which we have an ability to see how our faith brings us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And then that faith makes us realize that God's purpose is far, far greater than ours. And I wanna seek that out and I want to know him more. And so spend the time this morning as they, as they sing this song. I don't know if it's going to be up on the screen. It might be. And so you can worship if you want to. You can stand if you want to. But I am asking you this, is that you would spend the time with God this morning. That you can create the process in which you are honest with where your heart is at. Because if the song that we sang, it is all about you all about Jesus. I wonder how much you have made it about you, how much I have made it about me, how much we have made it about us. Spend the time.
staff meetings um, Seth Terry myself and now Breezy's added to those um, on Mondays we meet and on Thursdays we meet Mondays are just kind of talk about the week Thursdays um, we get a little bit more in depth sometimes Seth reads some stories to us and um, uh, the beginning of June uh, Seth had and this is before this is um, BB before Breezy um, before she was here, Seth had Terry and I write down our, our goals for um, June through September. And so I always try to go above and beyond, and I'm kind of a jerk about it, actually. I, I, he just asked us to write down five goals. So I ended up writing down like 16, okay? I just, 
it's just where my mind went. And so I had five goals that, that answered Seth's question, what do you want to get done through September? Um, and then I had one goal that was kind of in between that and then like my, my really, really hopeful goals. I wasn't sure if I was going to get done with realistically, like with time and, and space and funding or whatever. And then I, I had a third section of what was called my BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. Some of you may know that, that word. And these are the ones that are ridiculous. Like one of them, I think I'll write them to be silly, okay? One of them was, I wish I had a youth group pontoon boat um, by September. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, one, the other one was like a, a, a paintball course in the back lot. <laughs> those, those were some of them. And then I had a, a section that I wrote almost just for myself. For, for months, I had felt God telling me that I needed to go somewhere that not like America or, or Guatemala or the, kind of the, the typical places to go on a mission trip, somewhere that, that might be a little dangerous. Um, but I really wanted to share the gospel with what's called an unreached people group. Um, in, in Glasgow, we're reached, okay? There may be people that don't know or don't accept Jesus here in Glasgow, but they have us. There's a church here in Glasgow, and, and, and there's, there's, they have access to the gospel um, and unreached means they don't have access. And there's over 2 billion people on the planet that don't have access. And so I wrote down, I, I, I hope that I can take a small group of people to a dangerous area to spread the gospel. And five days later, I got a phone call inviting me to go to Africa, um, to the Ivory Coast and to Liberia. Um, and he said in his in his invitation, um, there's a chance you could get on the back of a motorcycle with a translator by yourself and go to a village that's never heard Jesus. <laughs> I thought, praise the Lord. Amen. Like, this is amazing. And so, for those of you who don't know, I'm leaving Friday. Um, and it's, it's, it's awesome. But I, I realized, actually, on Monday, I forgot to tell all of my family. <laughs> Um, to include those of you in this room. And so I sent a text to my grandma and my aunt and uncle and my brother and sister and, uh, well, sister-in-law. And my grandma's like, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and so she called me and we talked on the phone. And she, whenever I call my grandma, she always talks to me and, and she's crying every time by the end of the phone call. But, but there's always a space in the middle where she lets me talk to my grandpa before he goes out for a smoke. And so she's like, hey, grandpa's setting up for smoke. Hold on, like, let me... Give him the phone, and so he gets on the phone, and he's like, I heard you're leaving. And my, my grandpa's a Vietnam vet. I am uh, an Iraq vet. And so he talks to me a little bit different than most people. <laughs> he said, don't lose your edge. It's dangerous. Don't, don't lose your edge. And so I got off the phone, and I thought, like, I know, it, I know it's dangerous. But what if, what if, what if something bad happened? I have a family that's sitting right here in the front row. And they're saved. They're saved. What, what if God needs me to go all the way across the ocean, spending a few thousand dollars to die in Africa? 
We do not understand the cost of a soul, the price of a soul. Romans 8 alludes to this, and I had, on a, on, a, on a conjoining note, I had somebody in my office this week counseling that has chronic pain that is going to end his life. We don't know when. And he said, I've given up the faith that God is going to instantly heal me because he told me I need this. I need to speak through my pain. When we think of the day-to-day things that are going on in our lives, even if we think of our entire lives, and and so our lives on the the course of the, the history of the earth are this big, but if we truly believe in eternity, the further we get back to see the scope of eternity on this massive, infinite timeline, our time here on earth is nothing. It becomes impossible to see the further back you look at this infinite timeline that is God. The only thing you can do day to day, year to year, one lifetime at a time, is share Jesus, to have faith in God to have faith like Abraham when he looks at the cost of losing his son, it's incomparable to eternity. Our short-term pain, inconveniences, and losses are nothing if we don't bring it to eternal glory. That's not to say that God doesn't care about the little things and interacts with us in every second of every day and does cry when we lose friends and family and go through hard times. That's not to minimize the things that we go through. It's to glorify him in all of it. The only thing you can do today, tomorrow, or from this point forward is relationship with every single person around you, hoping hoping that they can see God and eternity in your life as an example. And so as you start to fill in this blank, the purpose of God is more important than. Think about the unanswered prayers in your life. Is the purpose of God more important than that? Think about the spots in your life that you're hoping improve and you're you're praying about? Is the purpose of God more important than that? Think about the hard conversations you're unwilling to have with family members and friends. Is God's purpose more important than that? My closing note is um, my first mission trip was to Mexico when I was a youth pastor in Great Falls. And I had a lot of kids sign up for this and they wanted to go to Mexico. Only about half were able to go because their parents thought it was too dangerous. Too too dangerous? To have your kids go? We went went to a, a, they called it the, the poorest of the poor. There was poor areas, but we went to a train track where people were living in. There was one house made completely of cheap doors. And 
the mom that was, that was in the home when I went to ask why she didn't come to, to eat dinner, she said, I have to stay here because, because this pot is all we have. And she had one big pot that they cooked their meals in when they could. Is your child's life more important than God's purposes? And that may sound a little bit radical. That may take a little bit longer to, to, to walk in faith and get there. But what are we placing that's more important than God's purposes? Let's pray. Lord, there's a chance that this is, this is the last message some of us in this room will ever hear. Lord, you could, you could take us, as soon as we walk out of this room, you could take us whenever you choose. Lord, I pray that we take you this seriously. Not this life, not our things, not our desires, but Lord, that we take you this seriously. Lord, may we as, as parents and grandparents and great-grandparents in this room, may we be an example to our children no longer living a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday faith where Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday look completely different than our Sundays. But Lord, may we, every day of the week, preach you in our homes, out of our homes, and in our workplace because we have the faith in you. May we live each day and each moment as if we do believe in you. Not the idea of you, Lord, but in you, in eternity, in your Son, in something that we do not deserve at all and is completely unfair. Lord, may we live faith like that. Thank you so much for this opportunity as you give us every week to freely worship you, Lord, and meet together and grow stronger as a family. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.